today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am Borman Heller. And welcome to the Monday episode of the show. Uh, we're coming at you, recording this on December 5th. It's Sunday around 5.30 at night here on the East Coast. Jets have already lost. Steelers' demise is underway. Corden and I are feeling it, going through it. Jets lost a heartbreaker. It was very fuck a very fucking annoying and very fucking winnable game against the Eagles. And we got fucked. Hate it. Hate it so much. Uh, but it's tough to have creative things. It's tough to have creative things to say about a team that loses so frequently. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's there's like there's nothing it's, new. And their stakes are low. Like right. if we were even 500 and in the playoff hunt. And we lost this game to drop one game under 500. Kind of, kind of the situation that the Dolphins are in. If the well, maybe a little bit higher, but whatever. Like then you could at least say, uh, they, you know, there, there's, there's, there's more reason to have be worked up about the loss. You're like, ah, you know, the Zach Wilson had that one pick that just sailed the, the, uh, the receiver. You know, that's not good. You, got, you like seeing the arm strength, you know, maybe it's the energy getting to him. He's got to hold in some of that excitement, whatever. But here it's like he threw, he threw a couple picks. You know, Jets are going to lose a bunch of games. Jets aren't good enough to win more games. And mm-hmm. and the Jets have lost a bunch of games and they're probably not going to win very many more games. And they're not going to be in a playoff spot. And then they're going to get a high pick. And what else do you fucking want? Like, who cares? Who, who cares? Uh, you're never going to compare the Jets weaknesses against who they're stacking up against next week because it doesn't matter because they're not good enough for that. Right. Um, that entire statement made me think of the Steelers this year. And that led me to think of something that, you know, before this, we said, is there anything we need to discuss with the NFL? And we're both kind of like, ah, we don't really know anything off the top of our heads. Uh, I thought of something. Um, it was leaked that Ben Roethlisberger has announced to people within the organization this will be his last year at quarterback for the Steelers. Um, the way it was worded was very open-ended. I don't think there's any way that he would go try and ride the bench, be a backup, be a mentor somewhere else. So for me, at least as a Steelers fan, this is a Ben Roethlisberger has announced his retirement within the organization. And it's a mixed bag of feelings because on one hand, yes, it's absolutely past due and it's tough to see. Um, But at the same time, holy shit, this is Ben Roethlisberger who, you know, is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and, you know, Super Bowl champion twice. Um, it's it's a huge deal, and um, I'm going to miss him. He's just been a complete mainstay for, you know, the past, you know, outside of the past two seasons for 15, 20 years. He's, uh, he's a pillar. I, I saw a conspiracy theory going around that the uh, Steelers could potentially target. Uh, and this is more fan hope than rumor, which is why I'm calling it a conspiracy theory and not a rumor mm-hmm. uh, that the, the Steelers could potentially target and would potentially make sense for both sides. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I'm good. <laughs> Unless it's, you know, a day two 
pick type situation. Um, I don't, I don't really want Jimmy Garoppolo in any sense. Um, look, like we have a very good defense. We don't have a very good offensive line. I really don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to make the difference. I think it's more of a, hey, we need to seriously consider offensive line and succession for the future, um, especially since our defensive core is very young. Um, if that being said, if we can get him for like a late third round pick, I'm of course going to say yes, but I don't think it's going to be less than a mid second. And I just don't know if that's worth it. Uh, it depends. It could also depend on how much of the salary the Steelers pick up. It would be probably all of it. Um, I just don't see San Francisco, which is a team with a lot of expensive players um, and a, trying to compete now would s- settle for anything less than just picking up the entire contract. Fair enough. Uh, um, yeah, it, it's it's well, first off, it's funny because when I told Corwin yesterday that mm-hmm. I got that notification, Corwin said, oh, that's not surprising. You could tell me that last Sunday's game was Ben Roethlisberger's <laughs> last game with the Steelers and I wouldn't be surprised. And I was like, oh, right. OK, <laughs> uh, which, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it is still I mean, it is it is one of those things, though, where uh, just because you expect it to be happening doesn't mean it will. Mm-hmm. So until it gets announced, it feels fresh or if it, uh, when it gets announced, it still feels like like a thing, you know, right. it like will Tom- be. Go, Go ahead. ahead. <laughs> I'm saying it, it, it will be huge news because until it's confirmed, nobody's going to start that discussion in the mainstream. I, I think it's not going to be a serious discussion amongst media members and otherwise outside of, you know, Steelers Reddit or just NFL Reddit until it's absolutely confirmed because of just how big of news it is. Right. While also being at the same time, completely expected. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that goes for any old player. You know, when Favre retired the second time, everyone was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you know, it, it like, it, but every you still have to breathe that sigh of relief at something, and that something is the news that it's actually happening. So, you know, these things, while while greatly and hotly anticipated, uh, still feel, and it also triggers your reflex of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, retirement announcements immediately trigger the nostalgia reflex, as opposed to the oh fuck get off the fucking team, you old bitch reflex, because we've all had players on our favorite team that are way past their prime that are still there because the organization wants to do right by them, which we always appreciate, uh, but they suck, or at least they're not as good as someone else that could be uh, gotten. And so you look at them with contempt for their age. Damn you, 38 year old man. (laughs) So ancient in your pre 40s. You're sucking dick on this field. Get the fuck out of here, you asshole. And then the second they announce their retirement, they go, ah, oh, damn, oh, damn I'm going to miss that I guy fucking so much. love that guy. <laughs> the, the. Wow. The example that immediately jumped to my mind, that was like the first major instance of this for me 
was Troy Palomalu, where uh, he was a liability in the secondary for sure uh, when he retired from the Steelers. But it's Troy Palomalu, first ballot Hall of Famer, you know, absolute undisputed force in the NFL for decades who I had a poster of in my room for over a decade. So it hurt to see him leave, but at the same time, like, okay, he probably should have done that at least last year. Like <laughs> without him. Uh... Yeah. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Like that same thing kind of happened to CC. His last season was not mm-hmm. spectacular, but it's like, fuck man, I'm just here to, 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 Ride with the the fucking vibes until it ends, because uh, I will miss him. And then, boy, howdy, did I get frustrated, but also miss him. I like with pitchers. I feel like that's the case tenfold, where it's you get basically unplayable very quickly. Um, you know, once you uh, once you drop major velocity or major spin or anything like that, like you're no longer an MLB pitcher but people are still hoping that it's just an aberration and not age winning um i'm trying to think while i'm saying this of who a good example of that would be but none jump to mind immediately outside of cc of course bartolo cologne yeah but i feel like he would I feel like his drop off wasn't super immediate. It was more of a gradual Bartolo Cologne can kind of put the innings up there, but he wasn't effective for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not going to think about it too hard. Oh. The college football playoff teams. Who were are they they? announced? I don't know. I just saw. Um, the top post on the subreddit was the okay Alabama at number one, Michigan at number two, Georgia at number three, and Cincinnati at number four. So the Cotton Bowl will be Alabama versus Cincinnati, and then Michigan versus Georgia will be the Orange Bowl, both on December 31st. What time on December 31st? I don't know. It's probably going to be like a, a 3.30 and 8 o'clock game. That's, That's a risky is. move. Eh, it's kind of how it always is. It's the New Year's 6, so there's usually three on December 31st, three on January 1st. Okay. This year, it's there's one on the 30th, two on the 31st, three on the 1st. But yeah, it's just kind of how it always is. Uh, all right. Well, what? What? What do you got, bitch? I was just gonna say the rest. The Peach Bowl is uh, Michigan State <laughs> yeah, versus Pitt. Yeah, of course. There's more. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's Sorry. there's six of them. I only said two. Uh, Fiesta yeah. Bowls: Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, Ohio State, and Utah is the Rose Bowl, and then the Sugar Bowl is Baylor versus Ole Miss. What are your rooting interests in these bowls? Um, you will appreciate that I will be rooting heavily for Michigan State to fucking beat the shit out of Pitt, uh, eat shit Pitt. Uh, Cincinnati, Let's go Michigan upsetting. State. Yeah, exactly. 
Cincinnati as the first group of five teams to ever make the playoff. Um, upsetting Alabama would be fucking amazing. Um, for Big Ten interest, maybe I'll root for Michigan over Georgia, but at the same time, I fucking hate Michigan. Uh, for meme sake, after uh, Brian Kelly left Notre Dame, I would love to see them win their New Year's Six bowl game. Um, Utah, if they can beat Ohio State, would be great because fuck Ohio State. Uh, and then probably Ole Miss over Baylor because Lane Kiffin, the head coach of Ole Miss, is really fun. So want to see him succeed. All right, on. Any major draft implications with these, by the way? Um, draft implications. Uh, Pitt's quarterback will probably be one of the first two or three off the board. Uh, Ole Miss's quarterback will be amongst the first three off the board. Um, Alabama's got a ton of guys. Georgia's got a ton of guys. Cincinnati's quarterback is probably a day two guy. Um, but those two quarterbacks, Matt Corral and Kenny Pickett, um, are probably the two big, biggest ones. Okay. Names I'm sure we will keep an eye, an eye out, ear out, both, yeah. for uh, come fucking April, I guess. Correct. Correct. <laughs> uh, University of Oregon's head coach is getting stolen away by the University of Miami, which is weird because Oregon is a very good team that was top three for most of the season, and Miami is, uh, well, garbage. Um, I very much so enjoy that there's all these adorable little, like, uh, stealing thefts and and rivalries in in like college athletics that yeah, seem so small and petty but they're really like gajillion dollar businesses mm-hmm. like the university of miami stole the university of of, of fucking oklahoma's uh, coach the other day and it's like oh geez did the fucking guy who also professor is the professor of history get get nabbed in a van and it's like, no, no, that guy makes like nine million dollars a season. Yeah, that's all he does. Oh, yeah. You can kid all you want, but these are like a hundred million dollar contracts that are getting handed out after after like 30 minute conversations with coaches and agents. And it is outrageous how this shit has gone on this season. Yeah, it's, it's just like because my school didn't have a football program, I have just no hands on frame of reference for it. And it just doesn't it's like it doesn't make sense to me. It's it's unbelievable the amount of money these schools throw around like a coach gets paid 10 to 12 million dollars a year at some of these schools like that's how much tuition is that my outrageous. Friend? That's what I want to know. How much tuition? That's is like 8000 kids. There's no math to back that up that I've done, but uh, just so many. Most of a graduating class, if not an entire one, depending on your school. Well, my first thought was to jump to Penn State, where there's fifty thousand students that go there. So, but per per grade? No, total. But it's uh, still yeah, that's like what I'm saying. So if you divide that by four, it's students, twelve thousand five hundred students. Um, but so where eight thousand students would be most of twelve thousand five hundred students. So 
Yeah. 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 Hence, hence, as Joey Tribbiani would say. Um, yeah, that's just revolting. Gross. Uh, all right, let's take this. Let's take this shit on into into baseball only because uh, I have nothing to say on college football and often feel left out during these conversations, even though it's just you, even though it's just you and me. I I have nothing to say in the slightest. There are many times in like baseball conversations where I feel that way, um, mostly because I I don't watch nearly as much baseball as you, but I get it. College football is its own little world of drama. It's like a reality TV uh, in a sense. But where nothing's real. Kind of. Just our hopes and dreams. You, actually, you know what? You want to know an absolutely wild college football story that is being underreported? I do. Um, to really highlight the reality TV show drama of college football, the number one overall recruit last year was a quarterback named Quinn Ewers, who was the highest ranked college players since Vince Young back in like 2002. Um, Just unreal how much hype this guy had. More than Trevor Lawrence, more than any of the other quarterbacks in the last handful of years. Um, He signed a $1 million NIL deal as a high schooler. Oh my God. After reclassifying his standing in high school from a junior to a senior so that he could enroll at Ohio State early and sign this deal. So a 17-year-old kid signed a $1 million contract. And he has just entered the transfer portal at Ohio State to leave the school so that he can go find a place to play and start next season. Because apparently there is a stipulation clause in his contract stating that if he doesn't start X number of games by his second season, parts of his contract are void, which is illegal to have in an NIL contract that Ohio State approved without being allowed to do so. Oh, so, my God. It's not something that has been clarified or like a conclusion to the story has not yet been reached. This is something that came out in the past, like two days. But like seeing as this is the first year of NIL deals, wild implications are involved. Yeah. Cause that that's really shitty because my, you know, your first reaction is, you know, you do what you got to do to make a million dollars. I understand got to bounce around a little bit within like an eight month time frame to collect that fucking stack. You do what you got to do. But I mean, it's bizarre that it comes at the at the expense of the school fucking up this bad and fucking with the kid this much like that's I mean, if we're going to allow the, it feels like sabotage for the for the sake of showing the system doesn't work, you know, like how people well, would, would almost like vote uh, illegally to prove that you could try to vote illegally. And it's like, well, the only did this, that it only happened because you said you were going to do it. Like, like, right. wh- what are we doing here? It almost feels like that. So the reason the clause exists is there is not allowed to be any, you know, 
performance incentives in an NIL contract. Basically, hey, you can't take money away from these kids after signing them to a deal because they get hurt or they're 17 and just aren't as good as you thought they were going to be. And, you know, in an effort to protect the student athlete, uh, student athlete, um, a student athlete. Yes. And the Ohio state compliance committee, basically just a part of the Ohio state administration is supposed to like review these contracts and be, you know, making sure that, they're not signing contracts like this that will hurt them because why on earth would you want your students to be signing contracts that will cause them massive amounts of debts as they're fucking children, like 17 and 18 year old kids and Ohio state's like, nah, dude, go right ahead. We want you to come to Ohio state. That's more important. So again, we want, we want, we want you to come to Ohio, Ohio state. state. And be able to have you leave the school on your own volition if you don't pan out the way we want you to. Right. On, on your own volition in big air quotes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's fucked. Yes, it is. Now, turning to other things that are fucked, we're still in the MLB lockout. Woo! It's a party every day. Um. Before we get into uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Rob Manfred's statement that he issued about, I don't know, 10 minutes after the lockout started, which is hilarious because uh, it means he knew it was coming. It's hard to have a multi-paragraph statement banged out and approved by legal in uh, under five business days, I'll say. And the fact that you have this kind of um, document on deck probably Mm -hmm. shows you're not negotiating in good faith. God forbid that's yeah, but God forbid that's ever actually proven or or anything is done because of that. No, no, we wouldn't do that. No, no, of course. We're just having a contingency plan just in case. Of course. Suck my balls. Uh, but before we get there, just one quirky thing. (laughs) Yeah, just so so lol quirky. Uh Justin Verlander, such not like other girls. Justin Verlander, um, LOL quirky. He uh, he signed a contract that we all heard about. We all it's it's not a a Bernstein bear situation here. It's not a Mandela effect. We all saw that he signed a contract. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he didn't sign a contract. Uh, apparently, there were some details of the contract that were not finalized ahead of the lockout deadline, and therefore he is still technically apparently. Uh, Somewhere in the middle ground, but I guess on the side of free agent because he is not on the Astros roster. He is not uh, on their payroll. Their contract's not signed and it can't be resolved until after the lockout. And so it'll be a very interesting test case to if one side or the other backs out of the deal because of uh, value fluctuations as a result of a new CBA or even just how long it takes. Could you imagine if this shit takes like a crazy long time, 18 months, let's say, just to make it like painful, painful. Would you want Justin Verlander another almost two years into his existence and age on the arm and and distance from throwing an MLB pitch? No, especially since he's in all likelihood still actively throwing every day. 
it's not like he just doesn't throw a pitch for two months or, you know, six months or a year or 18 months in between these seasons. It's like, no, of course he's still, you know, staying ready and all that. That's a lot of pitches for a 40 year old man. It's, it's, and it's a lot of risk. Like the 25 million per season that they offered him assumes he pitches this year and next year. Mm-hmm. And you assume that maybe he's, he's really good or, or at least very, very serviceable for this year. And then you, you're, you're, you're getting him at uh, a competitive rate for this year. And then you use next year's money to kind of, you know, it, it, it's not as good based on the production, but it, it is offset by how much excess value you got in the first year. Well, that might not be the case, mm-hmm. you know, essentially like a year two, year three kind of thing, because the second year of what would have been the two years now, the first year of what would be a two year. And maybe that year sucks or you're, you weren't expecting it to be good. You weren't expecting to get twenty five million dollars worth of value out of it. And then the, the second year, which would have been a third year on the first version of the contract, you wouldn't even want. So maybe instead right. of getting two for 50, he gets maybe one for 30. Maybe not even that. Maybe one for like 22. It'll be very interesting to see what they come out. And hey, maybe this should take six weeks. <laughs> As I scoff. Uh, but hey, <laughs> maybe maybe this should take two, six weeks. And uh, nothing changes. He gets the same contract he got. But it'll be very interesting to see what happens with that one since it was uh, it's our it's our crossover. It's our tie between the two universes. I am. Almost rooting for this now, just for, again, the memes and chaos and everything else involved with this. That would be utterly fantastic to watch unfold. This that's is how the that's reality win. TV. <laughs> this is how the Yankees finally get Verlander. Uh, could you this imagine? was the Yankees plan the whole time. It's not. Could I imagine? One? I would be amazed if that story broke one day, but. Again, that's just straight up reality TV. There's like, what else can you call that? Um, I don't want the lockout to last 18 months, but if it did, boy, that would be fun. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I don't want to see the Astros get fucked like that. That'd be fun. Right? But hey, what happens, happens. So, uh, in all Rob honesty, Manfred, how long do you think it, it lasts? Don't I don't know. think spring training starts on time. I don't think the season starts on time. Because uh, you got to think. The only frame of reference I think we really have in terms of where the tension is between the two sides today, because you can't look at previous strikes and... and, and um, labor disputes for this because the climate between the two sides are very, very different. This is a very unique position they were in respective to the other labor disputes that have occurred. Mm. Not that this one's more serious or anything. It's just, they're, they're different. And so I think the most right. uh, readily comparable example is probably last season, 2020 when uh MLB owners wanted players to take a pay cut in addition to a prorated salary and that dispute. And everyone was talking before the season started about how baseball was in a prime position, unlike the other sports to get a full season 
uninterrupted mm-hmm. in because it would be summer months and we were coming up on the upswing of things for for uh, in, in a lot of states, not all states, but in a lot of states for the summer. And mm-hmm. they were primed to start spring training on time because Florida wasn't in, in a bad spot at, yet. And then, you know, summer will come around and things would potentially get better with some restrictions and they could play without fans and all that shit. And then the owners said to players, we want you to take like whatever it was, like a 30, 50 percent pay cut plus mm-hmm. a prorated salary for any games missed. And the players said no. And that's what led baseball to not get started till what was it, August? Right? Was uh, I don't remember specifically, but it was ridiculous how long it was. Yeah. I mean, we're talking a good four to six months. And that wasn't even about all of the intricacies and nitty gritty details that are going to come in with the CBA. That was just mm-hmm. the sole issue of take a pay cut and prorate your salary, which really combined into one, which is why I'm calling it a sole issue. Right. And that alone took four to six months, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I would have to imagine this beats that. And that's right. why I don't think 18 months is... I th- it's probably the high end if I had to guess. And boy, how do you do? I hope I'm not wrong about that. Um, but I, w- I would not be surprised if we didn't get a, a season next year. I think it will definitely. I don't th- want to say definitely. Um, you don't want to jinx it. it. I know you don't want to jinx it. I know. I think it could take longer because the stakes are higher for sure. But I also could see it being of much shorter lockout because they also basically because the, the players union doesn't have any balls and they're just wanting to get a deal done so that everyone can go back to work and get paid um, and don't really care nearly as much about long-term implications of this lockout, especially since they have probably as much, if not the most leverage they've ever had as a bargaining group. So that's kind of why I'm really open to this being something that's drawn out because frankly, it, they deserve to have it be drawn out so that they can have everything that we all collectively agree are the basic things that should be met by billionaire owners. Yeah. I, I mean, and this goes into, and I'm, I'm not going to get over overly political on anything, but this goes into one of the society's larger issues right now, which have to do with uh, income disparity, uh, which is the players have so much more to lose than the owners do by not having the CBA be a, a very large net positive for them mm-hmm. in, in some ways, in terms of accounting costs and in, in a lot of ways due to opportunity cost. Mm-hmm. The, the owners as a percentage of their wealth, it, it doesn't matter for them, but we, we know as a society that people who have a billion dollars aren't doing it because there's a, any actual positive that comes from having a billion dollars. It's just wealth hoarding. And if you're going to wealth hoard, you're going to go all the way with it. You're not going to pay anything you can afford to not pay. And if the players actually really put their foot down, we're talking about large, massive systemic change for not just the way that the younger players get paid, not just the way that minor leaguers get paid or get, even get fucking represented. They don't have a union. They don't even have a union. We're talking about the way that players' lives can go to the point where, like, uh, guys who have been with one team 
for 14 years actually get the chance to hit free agency before the 30. Like Aaron Judge, who got drafted with the Yankees, spent a bunch of years in the minor leagues with the Yankees, got called up with the Yankees, and has had six years of, of rookie control with the Yankees and is going to be over 30 by the time he actually gets a free agent deal or, or would be able to sniff free agency, I should say, to the point where the Yankees will have to offer him a true extension. That's a horrible system. We fully acknowledge as sports fans that players primes are usually in their 20s. Mm-hmm. Which all these guys aren't getting paid what they should be getting paid. And MLB can point at the giganticness of the long-term deals that they're giving out just in the last month, but that doesn't mean anything. Not when there's so much being taken and abused on the, on, on, on the other side of it, just because you spent a lot of money in one single month, honestly, doesn't fucking mean much. Not when you've been able, not when you're able to do that based on the exploitative nature of your labor practices for everyone who didn't get one of those contracts. And that's, part of the issues that baseball is going to have to address. I feel like it's something that is almost conditioned at this point as, you know, if we want to talk about this being a larger issue, it's a very easy conversation to dive into, but it's feels conditioned for fans to support their team and not support the players like, oh, you want to support the Yankees. You're a Yankees fan. You want to root root for this outcome. You want to support this outcome because it helps the team and the team will win more and the team will be better and we'll be a better team overall if you support what the team wants rather than, hey, this isn't going to affect the team really in any way outside of them playing players better providing them with the basic comforts of life that an employer should be and that every team is going to support this league-wide and it won't affect their competitive balance whatsoever. But we're told, you know, growing up with these teams to support the team so we're not seeing the kind of support we should be from fans. And it's also very ironic because you, you'll hear like I got in an argument with someone on Twitter the other day who was essentially saying that the players are being greedy for wanting more. And I don't know how you can look a guy in, in the face and say he, he's greedy when he had to come up in a minor league system where he was getting paid absolutely nothing. And people still have to do that today. Players who sleep in their cars because their teams employ them and don't pay them enough for their labors to the point where they have to fucking survive on the free peanut butter sandwiches they give out in locker rooms before the game and from people who own who have billions of dollars billionaires and 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 it's the, those types of unfair labor practices that let them have their billions not just from owning sports teams which is an insanely lucrative business but also from every other business that allowed them to be in a position to buy a sports team which is a choice by the way if you don't want to pay players as the owner of a sports team, do not own a sports team. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to tell you. Like if you don't want to to actively participate in in making the, the uh, uh, making sure that that labor practices are fair and that you treat your employees. Well, don't own a business. Mm -hmm. If if you can't own a business where we're paying, uh, where you can survive by paying people a fair wage for their work, 
then do not own the business. You're a bad business owner. If mm-hmm. you can't if you can't make owning a baseball team work by paying people enough down the ladder that they can that they can afford to live in better living situations than their fucking car. Then you don't deserve to own a team. How bad of an owner are you? How bad of a businessman are you that you can you can you're saying that you can't make the Yankees profitable enough? It's the Yankees. You can't make the Brewers popular enough. There's like four states around you without a baseball team. You're fucking it. Like, make it work, bitch. I don't know how 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 this is an issue. Starbucks has 401ks for their employees. You got minor leaguers who sleep with host families because they can't even afford a car to sleep in. It makes no fucking sense. And like people this big contracts and think that, that it's, it's those jackasses at the top who keep this stuff from happening. It's not. It's not even those guys. It's such a, those guys are such a small fraction of players. It's not even them. Sorry. No, don't be sorry. You are having a discussion and you are voicing your opinion. That is the entire point of the podcast we have. Um, this isn't even a discussion of, you know, professional players at the highest level getting paid more to match their market rate and you know the basic fundamentals of capitalism that people forget are a part of capitalism because whatever that's not a rabbit hole i want to jump into this isn't about guys getting one wanting to get paid 15 million dollars a year versus 10 million dollars a year because by all means that's what they should be paid based off of how much they're bringing into the company that's a very different discussion, still just as valid, but a very different discussion than, hey, billionaire owners of a company are not paying minimum wage for all of the time that their employees work for the company. That's just a basic principle of human decency at the very least. And I know for a lot of people, that isn't an argument that holds any water, which by all means is even worse for your point. Like, this is such a more basic argument to be had for just the fundamentals of the law rather than millionaires wanting to get paid more because of what they do. Right. Which is so reductive. And, you know, it's even beyond just because it's the right thing. It also shows a lot of people's inability to complete, completely understand the inner workings are the interconnectivity of all of these things. Max Scherzer might not get where he actually, I don't know. Did he come right out of, uh, or did he go to the minor? League? I'll go Aaron judge. Then, I know he spent a lot of time in the minor leagues. Aaron judge probably doesn't get to where he is without a bunch of dudes making absolutely nothing who never touched the majors. Cause they aren't good enough playing mm-hmm. baseball with him. The minor leagues are integral, not just for the players who get out of the minors, and make a 40-man roster, a 26-man roster, and get a huge second contract. It's not mm-hmm. just those. If those guys don't have all of the other players on the diamond, time multiplied by however many teams they play in a season, they don't get to be that good. That's a huge part of the development of talent. It's the R&D like, fucking department of a baseball team. That's where you expect your players to get better to the point that they can contribute on the MLB level. If they don't have those other guys, whether they're good enough to eventually be a major league talent or not, 
they still need to be there to have someone to practice a mediocre, a swing against a mediocre uh, uh, curveball. So they can get good enough at the bad curveballs so that you can bring them up to the major league level to get them to start swinging at good curveballs. So a guy who you can face to who do can do uh, can throw a shitty slider that you can learn to hit a, a bad major league slider so you can eventually get good at hitting a good major league slider. Practice running bases in, in ways that you don't typically do. Stealing if you don't typically steal, like you need at real game atmospheres in order to to actually grow as players that you will not get if those players aren't there for you to practice against like it doesn't it's like the people who don't understand that you don't have workers if you don't have public education systems and you don't have taxes to fund those public education systems because mm -hmm. most people the vast majority of people learn how to read and write in public schools not charter schools and not private schools public schools and if you don't have literacy you don't have employees you probably don't have customers if you don't have the minor leagues you don't have major leagues mm -hmm. at no point in history since the fucking at least like the fucking 1900s early 19 aughts has there not been a minor league system that fed into a major league team so that teams could have the best talent available after those players cut their teeth doing something else that's a much better point than i was going to add on so i you know, fuck it, I'll add it on anyway. Let's hear it. On top of it, if your argument is, okay, these guys are going to get paid tens and hundreds of million dollars when they reach the major leagues, it's fine that they don't get paid a lot now because they're not nearly as good as major league ball players because they'll get that money when they go to the major leagues. There's like one in five guys in the minors that end up going to the major leagues. How is that an argument? The vast majority of these dudes do not make, make the major leagues. They never get those contracts. They never touch that kind of money. There's a reason why there's thousands of employees on active rosters that get paid a lot of money, but there's only ever five or ten major, major, major contracts that are ever active at any given time. And all these people are meaningful. They're all they're all important to the end goal. Like even the guys who like extended spring training is such a wacky group of players because it's your it's your dudes, your really really young dudes who are just not good enough to get sent up to triple A or single A um that quick or double A whatever. Um and old dudes, your your guys who are rehabbing injuries that you want to keep it with uh, with the strength and conditioning staff and you, you only want them to throw like an inning or whatever and you want them in the warm weather. Like CC would do ex extended spring training like every season for the last like four years of his fucking career. That's a Hall of Fame baseball player who would stay in extended spring training with the young guys who don't who aren't good enough to, to be higher up. But that's not a fault. That's not a justification for them to be getting paid dirt. They end up helping out CC get back to the majors. That's a massive contribution to the New York Yankees. Whether they're good at their jobs per se or not, it is a valuable contribution to the team for them to be there doing what they do. And that deserves for them. The fact that they work deserves for them to not have to be fucking homeless. No one should be homeless, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yes. Uh, it, it's it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous that there's people with 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 within organizations that make billions and billions of dollars 
that have to survive on bread. It makes no sense. And just for frame of reference, for people who might not be getting the difference, my favorite comparison, you know what the difference is between a million dollars and a billion dollars? It's about a billion (laughs) dollars. The difference between a million dollars and a billion dollars is nine hundred ninety nine million dollars. And if someone handed you nine hundred ninety nine million dollars, you'd probably go around saying someone just handed me about a billion (laughs) dollars. So, yeah, the difference between a million and a billion is about a billion. Yes. There's numbers about how, you know, many seconds a million is and how many seconds a billion is. And it's roughly a difference of about 40 years. Yeah, it's like it's like 11 days versus like 30 years or some wacky. shit. it's hilarious. It's it's people need public schools. That's what this argument can be brought down to. Yeah, very, very much so. So let's let's actually take this into into a, a conversation around Manfred's letter, which got published again, super weirdly skeptically soon after uh, the lockout commenced officially to our fans. I want to thank for I first want to thank you for your continued support of the great game of baseball. This past season, we were reminded of how the national pastime can bring us together and restore our hope despite the difficult challenges of a global pandemic. As you begin to emerge from the darkest periods of in our history, our ballparks were filled with fans. The games were filled with excitement and millions of families felt the joy of watching baseball together. All right. I don't got too many complaints in the first paragraph. It feels like a very white sentiment because uh, you're going to say this is one of our darkest periods in history. We had slavery for a very long time in this country. And also Um, black people weren't allowed to play in baseball, let alone like if if you're talking about the grand scheme of our country, you're wrong. And if you're talking about baseball, you're wrong. Also, also, if you're talking about last year, you're probably wrong, too, because while the pandemic was very bad, I think there was a greater awareness about police brutality and the conditions uh, in which most of uh, or a large portion of the black citizenry of the United States have to endure. And the pandemic seems kind of secondary to a lot of that shit. But uh, whatever it's. Uh, all right. In terms of uh, from a labor perspective, this is not bad. We'll put it that way. Sure. In the that grand is, scheme of this letter, this is not the worst part. There we go. Uh, that is why I am so disappointed about the situation in which our game finds itself today. Despite the league's best efforts to make a deal with the Players Association, we were unable to extend our 26-year-long history of labor peace and come to an agreement with the MLBPA before the current CBA expired. Therefore, we have been forced to commence a lockout of major league players effective at 12.01 a.m. Eastern time on December 2nd. So we are rife with issues in the second paragraph. (laughs) This is the equivalent of saying. Wow, Canada didn't allow us to come in and take over their government. So I guess the 200 years we haven't been at war. Canada is just over. Come on, guys. Sorry. You know, I guess we just got to go to war to Canada with Canada now. It's like, well, of course, they're not going to let us do that. You're the one starting this war, you fucking crazy people. It's ex- it's, exa- it's exactly it. It, it. It's like we came around <laughs> to collect our vig and you didn't pay. So now you're forcing me to break your legs. Why do you want me to break your legs? I don't want to break your legs. 
but I'm going to have to break your legs now. It's fucking lunacy. I fucking hate Rob Manfred so much. I know. <laughs> and and to, to phrase it as such a as such a thing of violence, our 26 year long history of labor peace. Like, fuck you. There's been so much last <laughs> year we had unrest. We just talked about how there was essentially a strike last season in 2020. Fuck. I'm just picturing Rob Manfred just like, stop making me punch you in the face. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a big why are you hitting yourself? Also, it's like it's not a it's not a strike. It's a lockout like you are doing this. All right. All right. Let's move on to the second pair. The, the players part. had the vote to have a strike and they voted no. Yeah, the owners voted for a lockout. You wanted this. God. All right. I want to explain to you how we got here and why we have to take this action today. Simply put, we believe that an offseason lockout is the best mechanism to protect the 2022 season. We hope that the lockout will jumpstart the negotiations. (laughs) Fuck you. And get us to an agreement that will allow the season to start on time. This defensive lockout was necessary because the Players Association's vision for Major League Baseball would threaten the ability for most teams to be competitive. It's simply not a viable option. From the beginning, the MLBPA has been unwilling to move from their starting position, compromise, or collaborate on solutions. Wow. What a load of shit. Oh, my God. We had no choice. We had to kill him. Look at him. Being to put him down. down. <laughs> he it's... looked like he was about to hurt me. I killed him. Ah, yes, that makes makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Like, what the fuck is this? This is this, this is this is the stand your ground law version of a statement. <laughs> <sighs> but not even like the actual definition of the stand by me law. This is the white bread scared you know i i can't even put the analogy together because i'm still just blown away by the wording of the statement itself i i know and i like how they say that we want to explain to you how we got here but they, they never state what mlb the mlbpa's positions are they just say that they're they're unwilling to compromise and <laughs> and so we had to do this this is like, what you did to get us here. We're just not going to mention what we did to get us here. Uh, yeah, it's it's like it's like I I had to I had to punch my dad in the face yesterday. You had to punch your dad in the face. Why did you punch your dad in the face? He, he didn't give me any th- other option. I had to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, wh- why? Well, we had a disagreement, and and it, I needed to punch him in the face. What was the disagreement? That doesn't matter. Who cares? <laughs> Or we disagree. <laughs> I had a bunch of, like, like, this is like, what? Watch the compromise over. If the MLBPA was like, we want you to donate to charities the, that stop animal abuse. And MLB was like, no. Like, is that a horrible request? It may not make any sense given mm-hmm. the context, but is it a horrible request? No, it's not a horrible request. Not at all. They're not saying you have to stop mm-hmm. animal abuse. They're just saying, go give some money to it. Like, what? what's what's the issue? So let's get to the next one. When we began negotiations over a new agreement, the Players Association already had a contract that they wouldn't trade for any other in sports. 
Fuck you. That's not true. Baseball's players have no salary cap and are not subject to a maximum length or dollar amount on contracts. In fact, only MLB has guaranteed contracts that run more 10 or more years and an excess of $300 million. We have not proposed anything that would change these fundamentals. While we have heard repeatedly that free agency is broken in the month of November, $1.7 billion was committed to free agents smashing the previous record by nearly four times by the end of the off season. Clubs will have committed more money to players than in any offseason in MLB history. This is a wildly disingenuous paragraph. Right. Again, you are discussing five people amongst your 5,000 employees. Also, there was a huge rush to give out contracts because you were threatening a lockout. Of course, it's going to make the month of November look like the biggest month in history because normally these contracts would get spread out between like three offseason months. Like all almost all of the big name free agents got signed this month because there was going to be a lockout. I before we continue, I really just want the MLBPA's response to this to just be a printout of this with red marker, just editing all the incorrect statements. Oh, should all be red ink. Exactly. Like I just want a high school English paper returned to us with what it should say. And and it's like the disingenuous nature of saying, of, of putting words in the MLBPA's mouth by saying that they had the best the contract. They wouldn't trade for any other contract in sports. And it's like, well, clearly not because they're arguing about it now. Like, clearly not because there's such issues with how the sport's being run. And it's like, yeah, you can point to the, the, the length of deals, the fact that it's guaranteed money. The fact that there's no restrictions on it is because you can spend all that money and still suck. Mm-hmm. The fact that the NBA doesn't have these types of restrictions, sorry, has these types of restrictions that they're describing is because if you went out and signed five great NBA players, for super giant contracts, you'd have a ludicrous, unbeatable team. And even with these restrictions, there's still some of those issues in the NBA today. And the MLB doesn't have them because the Angels blow ass every year with every MVP that they want. Like, that, that touches at the competition part of it being a central issue. I love this. Go ahead, continue. You got it. We worked hard ah, to find a compromise while making the system even better for players by addressing concerns raised by the Players Association. Again, no details as to what these are. We offered to establish a minimum payroll for all clubs to meet for the first time in baseball history. Oh, here they are. To allow the majority of players to reach free agency earlier through an age-based system that would eliminate any claims of service time manipulation and to increase compensation for all young players, including increases in the minimum salary. When negotiations lacked momentum, we tried to create some some by we tried to create some by offering to accept the universal designated hitter to create a new draft system using a lottery similar to other leagues and to increase the competitive balance tax threshold that affects only a small number of teams. So here are good things. These are these are good things. The problem is without scope, we have no idea what these things mean. And again, it doesn't specify what the MLBPA's issue is. So we're getting one side of it. 
And if we're only going to get one side of it, we're obviously going to get a side of it that's painted very rosy for the one who's giving the statement. Like, how much were you willing to increase play, uh, young player salaries by? Mm-hmm. $2 an hour? Go fuck yourself. We we offered to raise minimum wage at our company from $7.50 to $7.60. But you said no, so we're not going to give you Pop-Tarts in the break room and an express machine. Okay. I'm sorry. You chose not to have those two things. It's like, well, yeah, because your offer was absolutely nothing that would change. And the two things you are willing to give us are nice things to have. Sure. I'd like espresso. Sorry. Espresso. Espresso. But, <laughs> but that's not the reason I don't like working here. It's because I get paid $7 and 50 cents an hour. Right. It, it's like even because like players wages are so low, even if you put this percentage based, it would still be disingenuous. Like if this statement said that we were offered to increase uh, uh, young player salaries by 20 percent, assuming they're referring here to minor leaguers. If you're making ten dollars an hour, 20, a 20 percent raise is an extra two dollars an hour. And let me yeah. tell you, in most American cities, not even the big ones, just most American cities, $12 an hour is not enough to live on. So saying you gave a 20% raise offer when you get into the numbers of it isn't shit because it's starting out as shit. There's not a single U.S. state where you can get a two-bedroom apartment or house uh, on minimum wage. Just can't do it literally anywhere. Sorry. Doesn't matter. And again, some of these are really, really solid proposals. But like uh, we offered to establish a, a salary floor. Where is it? If it's $40 million, that doesn't mean anything. To call me when it's $100 million. Maybe then we got something. Like without any details, this is all just nothing. It's all, right. it's all bullshit. Context is quite literally everything. And again, without having the MLBPA's major complaint as to where the disagreement is, and you just painted them as a weird boogeyman, like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be a, a, I don't, you can't just tell me they're bad without telling me why you think they're bad. They didn't like our contract offer. Why not give the details? This is not convincing. All right. Oh, God. We have had challenges before with respect to making labor agreements and have overcome those challenges every single time during my tenure. What's the alternative? Baseball stops forever. Like, yeah. what's the alternative, Bobby? Like, I don't fucking fuck you. Guess what, guys? We've done this before and gotten away with it. Yeah, it's just stupid as shit. Regrettably, it appears the Players Association came to the bargaining table with the strategy of confrontation over compromise. You ordered the lockout god damn it they never wavered from collectively collectively the most extreme set of proposals in their history including significant cuts to the revenue sharing system a weakening of the competitive balance tax the shortening and shortening the period of time that players play for their teams all of these changes make our game less competitive not more ha so now we're finally getting into some details that the mlbpa wants and they're shockingly similar to some of the things that the ML, that MLB offered just worded a little differently, which mm-hmm. would 
paint the picture Corn and I are trying to, to make an argument for very clearly. To say that they want significant cuts to the revenue sharing system and a weakening of the competitive balance tax, balance tax sounds exactly like MLB's proposal to increase the competitive balance tax threshold. Because if that's a higher threshold, then less revenue gets shared because more teams won't hit that threshold number. And it would weaken it because less teams would hit that threshold number. So that, that th- those are the same things. It's now the details of where we're disagreeing, right? And then same mm-hmm. thing for uh, shortening the period of time that players play for their team sounds a whole lot like uh, uh, an age-based system to eliminate claims of early service time manipulation. If, ML, if M- the MLBPA wants players to hit free agency, let's go with age-based, uh, at uh, 26, and, and MLB front offices say 30, it's a huge fucking difference. It's a huge fucking difference. But they're saying the same thing because if, uh, if the uh, age cutoff was 26, they would be playing less time with their team. If the age cutoff was also 30, there'd be some players who played less time with their original team. It's the same thing. Again, it just this is why education is important because if you just don't understand the principle of like if you don't comprehend what you're reading and you're just taking this at face value, it makes the players' union look like assholes and like they're trying to be greedy and steal money away from NF or from MLB teams. If you understand what they're actually saying and and comprehend what the words are on the page and the way they're worded. You just see that this is just, I mean, exactly what we're talking about. Just complete bullshit through and through from start to finish. And, and again, it doesn't make any logical ties to anything at the end of it. You can't just say uh, like they do at the end of their paragraph, all of these changes would make our game less competitive. Like if you turn that in as a college paper, you would get an F. You can't just list reasons without actually, or sorry, list proposals and not actually give the reasons those proposals would make things worse. That's, there's no actual analysis there then. That's the actual work of it. They're just hoping that you have a bias inside of you already that makes you think the players would be inherently wrong and are giving you a boilerplate enough reason which really isn't anything. Uh, it's more of a facade to, to, to feel bolstered in that opinion. This it's literally nothing. All right. We got two paragraphs left here <clears throat> to be clear. This hard, but important step does not necessarily mean games will be canceled. In fact, we are taking this step now because it accelerates the urgency for an agreement with as much runway as possible to avoid damaging the 2022 season. Delaying this process further would only put spring training opening day and the rest of the season further at risk. And we cannot allow an expired agreement again to, uh, to again, cause an in-season strike and a missed world series. Like we expect experience in 1994. We owe all of you, our fans better than that. So again, we did this fucked up shit of a lockout for you. That's right. For you, buddy. We did it all for you. 
fucking hate it so much. Like, it's just so, it's just, it's Rob Manfred walking up to me, spitting in my face, and then saying, we did this for you. We did this for you. I mean, it's literally how Congrats. how any uh, like powerful being justifies the shit that they do that's fucked up. And it's how they justified a war in Afghanistan for 20 years. The justification essentially being like doing this for your freedom. How doing it for your freedom? How doing it for doing it for your freedom? <laughs> like you can't just say we're do we're doing this to uh, what, what, what was the actual language that they. Delaying this process further would only put these things uh, uh, the beginning of the season at risk. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, uh, I was not expecting a follow up question. <laughs> yeah, we owe you better than missing a World Series. Hmm. I, I, oh, so so then don't. So they give, give the players what they want. Uh, what you are the one locking us out. <laughs> As of today, you, Rob Manfred and MLB, are the reason there is not baseball news, not the players. They did not vote for a strike. You voted for a lockout. So mm -hmm. it's just them trying to paint their lockout as good for baseball, whereas if the players had had a strike, that would be bad for baseball. It's the same thing, really. But because we did it, it's good. But if, if, if they do it, it's bad. Mm-hmm. But because we're we're the ones doing it and it's our idea, we're the good guys. We're the heroes. Right. We're doing it sooner than them, because if we did it a little bit later, well, then you'd miss stuff. And that's what they want. They want you to not have opening day. They want to take away your freedom of opening day. We want you to have opening day. <laughs> God, it's so fucking. All right. We got one paragraph left. <laughs> Oh, God, I hate even reading this. Today is a difficult day for baseball. <laughs> but as I have said all year, there is a path to a fair agreement and we will find it. I do not doubt the league and the players share the fundamental appreciation for this game and the commitment to its fans. I remain optimistic that both sides will seize the opportunity to work together to grow, protect and strengthen the game we love. MLB is ready to work around the clock to meet that goal. I urge the Players Association to join us at the table. They, you vote at the table. You voted for a lockout. <laughs> I just hate it so fucking much. It's just, uh, it's one of those things where it's only gotten worse. The more you hear it, the more it just gets reiterated, the more they just repeat the fact that they're spitting in your face. It's just, it's grinding me down and I just, it's just adding up. We had eight paragraphs in there. Can you believe that? That was eight paragraphs. There was nothing of substance that came out of that. A handful no. of their proposal ideas with no actual details whatsoever. And almost nothing from the Players Association side outside of, I think, three other proposal details, which were the same proposal details that MLB had. So without any details at all, any, any real concrete numbers or, or concepts, it's fucking meaningless. And 
again, all this to really just feed off the people who already went into who go into every labor dispute siding with the corporation to give them a reason to say, yeah, fuck those labor guys. Fuck them. Fuck them dead. Nothing. This this is this is like a hundred words of nothing. That's probably more than 100 words. I, I don't I can't estimate word counts. If there was any of this that was. Truthful in its entirety and not disingenuous. I could find some silver lining for, you know. Not completely feeling like this is just. Again, being spit in the face, but again, there's nothing genuine about this. There's nothing completely truthful about this. It's just complete and utter bullshit through and through. And, you know, there's always a line somewhere in there of like, well, uh, they don't want to show their hand in negotiations. They don't want to say details because then, uh, you know, they can weaken their position for negotiations. Not, no, pro- probably not. Probably not, because honestly, if their details were good, there probably wouldn't be a lockout. There, 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 there probably wouldn't if, be. The real yeah. issue is that they don't want to show their details because they suck ass. If this was an honest to God deal, the players wouldn't have voted to not get paid. But here we are, the players choosing to not get paid. Because your offers suck. That's just the way it is. I, I know ML, the MLBPA also issued a statement somewhere uh, in the last couple of weeks, but uh, man, man, this is this is such a bummer. This is again the old adage. It applies to all sports leagues that uh, you you love baseball, but you hate MLB. Uh, here, real quick is the, uh, the MLBPA's statement. It's way shorter. Major League Baseball has announced a lockout of players shutting down our industry. This shutdown is a dramatic measure regardless of the timing. It is not required by law or for any other reason. It was the owner's choice, plain and simple, specifically calculated to pressure players into relinquishing rights and benefits and abandoning good faith bargaining proposals that will benefit not just players, but the game and industry as a whole. These tactics are not new. We have all been here before, and the players have risen to the occasion time and again, guided by a solidarity that has been forged over generations. We will do so again here. We remain determined to return to the field under the terms of a negotiated collective bargaining agreement that is fair to all parties and provides fans with the best version of the game we all love. End of statement. I feel inspired yeah basically this doesn't get into a pissing match with uh the ml with mlb yeah mlb statement uh going over like no we would have taken this no we would take it it's it's basically it's calling out mlb for doing exactly what they're doing which is they're using it for leverage they're trying to use this for leverage and they're they're being shitty by using it for leverage and we're not going to fall for it because we fought for everything we've gotten to up until this point and we're not going to back down and they, and they shouldn't. And they make a valid point here in, uh, in this, this little statement about being good for the game and industry as a whole, which is also true. 
because part of the problem is MLB, I'm sure the MLBPA wants to have the Pirates actually try and wants to have the Rays actually spend money and wants to have the, the, the Rockies be forced to have a competent front office. Those are things would be good for baseball. They understand the greater impact that a fully competitive league would have. They can see the cause and effect there. They can see the future of the game growing because the product is better on the field and on TV. And again, the only reason the owners are choosing to not have a better product, to not have a better league, stronger league, and pay the players more is because they view it as we can take more money for ourselves by holding on to this leverage. And I'm glad the MLB PA, I keep having to remind myself it's not NFL PA because I feel like we talk about them a lot more. I'm glad the MLB PA is making it known and standing firm in their stance. And it also helps that they have a very long history of, uh, going up against MLB and coming out successful and also highlighting the ways in which MLB is horrible. And we've talked about Kurt flood here a lot in the past. Uh, you know, and, that, and that, that's just really pertaining to, to the, the free agent side of things, not even talking about MLB's other history in regards to racism and segregation. I mean, even just the history of free agency, it was something that MLB was horrible about because you got to think free agency and MLB is, about 50 years old. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's a 150 year old sport. 50 years. Yeah. That That is it. That's it. Mm-hmm. And there had to be a Supreme Court case, which didn't even work, really. It, it didn't lead to it right away to really raise attention around this issue. I mean, it, it, it cost flood a lot of a few years of his career. It cost a lot of people a, a, mm-hmm. a lot to, to, to get to even this point. And MLB hasn't a leg to stand on for, for their willingness to help players and do what's right for the competitiveness of the sport. Putting a cap on years and earnings for NBA players actually helps the sport. And we can acknowledge that because one player has the ability to sway an entire team so much in the NBA in a way that it just doesn't for other teams. For other, sorry, for other sports. Hey, uh, and, Mike Trout signed a $400 million contract. How are the Angels doing? Didn't even sniff the playoffs. Nope. Haven't any time he's been there his entire nope. career. Nope. And the fact that the NHL has a salary floor helps some teams bounce back to uh, at least the at least out of the basement way mm-hmm. faster than we see teams in MLB do it like the senators are not really great right now, but they're way better than they were a couple seasons ago because you're forcing these teams to spend money. And if they're going to spend money, they're going to try to at least not suck. Mm-hmm. What are you going to say? Um, I mean, I was just going to say, I mean, look at the bills. I mean, you know, just how bad they were five, 10 years ago. And now they are quote unquote, the powerhouse of the AFC. It's 
we see it in football a ton. We see it in hockey. We see it in basketball. The Nets have been a laughing stock of a team for 10 years. And now they are, you know, the team to beat or were at least. Again, basketball is very different, but it goes without saying larger team sports. There's a reason these things work and have been in practice in other sports for so long. And there's and there's a willingness of players to accept some level of restriction if it actually leads to the general benefit of the sport. Like owners in other sports accept a salary floor, granted, usually at the addition of a salary cap. I understand that. But part of that is that it increases the competitive nature of their game. And the salary floor does a lot of the legwork in that. And players in other sports have taken caps on pay, like in the NBA, if it genuinely does something to help increase the competitive balance of the sport. And I believe that players in other sports would do that too if it would actually increase the competitive balance of the sport. It would not do that in baseball. So there's no point in having it. And there's no Mm -hmm. point in you going to the table and saying players are being unreasonable because all you're trying to do is pay people less. It wouldn't help. A floor would help. Better pay for minor leaguers would help. A different draft system would help. A different arbitration system would help. A different control years of control would help. A whole bunch of shit would help. Forcing yourself to not pay top end players as much is fucking stupid. Beyond stupid. It that's part of what drives me nuts is like they have to see that it would be a better product and would make the league stronger if they did this. Their greed is just so basic and just foundational that they refuse to make changes that would even attempt to threaten their bottom line. Or they at least have to save it for a negotiation tactic. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, maybe not all the things that we've talked about during this conversation and others uh, happened in the CBA, but I'd be, I, I would expect at least a couple of them to make some headway. And the sad thing is, MLB might've been cool with it the whole time. Right. I'd be cool with it the whole time. Just trying to save it for, for a negotiation. Cause why not? Why do a good thing for free when you can do a good thing for a buck? You know what I mean? Right. Fucking assholes. Ah, getting worked up into a tizzy here. Oh, I mean, I am. I'm very worked up over this now. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's what we do best here. We get all worked up about things that we can't fix. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right. I guess we can, we could kind of leave it here. We've been going for a while. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say about a uh, uh, lockout? situation or any NFL CFB topics? Um, I guess not that need to be said now. All right. Well, we'll save it for we're, we're doing this shit again in a few days. I'm sure there'll be just as few updates then. Oh, actually, there is one other thing. Uh, so as of right now, it is 640 at night. And that means that the so for dinner, uh, the no, it means that the uh, early baseball era candidates should have been announced 
or inductees should have been announced. Oh, that is big. I didn't realize that was today. Yeah, yeah it was today at six. So I want to say it should have come out. Oh, I'm not seeing anything come out. I, I, so I, I see that Buck O'Neill is now in the Hall of Fame. That's that's the one that I, I'm, I'm seeing all over Twitter, which arguably not a surprise. No, but it's also uh, uh, I'm so happy that Buck O'Neill is a Hall of Famer. I'm so happy he's deserved this for years. And I talk, we talked about it when Keith was on the podcast early this year in February for Black History Month. It is one of the most infuriating things in the world that it took this long. Uh, I have the list here. Uh, all right, cool. Bud, Shoot. Bud Fowler, Buck O'Neill, Gil Hodges, Jim Cat, Minnie Minoso, Tony Oliva. Minoso made it too. That's great. Yes. Oh, it's so great to hear. Did you say Dick Allen got in? Uh, no. Damn it. All right. All right. Um, let's see. Seven of the ten were stars, including both ballers. Um, the rest of the ballot was John Donaldson, Vic Harris, Grant Home Run Johnson, Dick Cannonball Redding, George Tubby Scales, um, That's Bill not Dolan, his name. Lefty O'Doul, Allie Reynolds. What'd you would you look up to find that? I Googled uh, Baseball Hall of Fame, and it was a post from MLB.com that was eight minutes ago. All right. Yeah, because uh, my my Google did not help me at all. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Man, am I fucking dumb? I don't even see it in doing the same. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, very happy. We'll talk about. I'm sure Mini Minoso probably uh, next episode because we're you know been going for a while. But very very happy for Buck. This should have happened in 2006 before he passed. He literally helped get like 16 Negro League players into the Hall of Fame, working with the committee to help identify players mm-hmm. and was on the ballot himself. And after helping the Hall do all this work, they still voted to not let him in the Hall of Fame. Which is, again, such a fuck you. I, I, I even to this day, I, I, I cannot wrap my head around it and it is one of the saddest videos i i ever well i cry every single time i see that video What's of video? giving that speech oh yes. yeah it oh god it brings a tear to my eye every single time um mm. but it is so well deserved and we cherish buck O'Neill on this podcast anyway we cherish buck O'Neill as baseball fans anyway this is mm-hmm. just uh, another accolade to add on to his greatness and to his legacy and to hopefully bring even more attention to the Negro League Baseball Museum in Kansas City. Um, but just wanted to shout that out. We'll talk about the other inductees probably on, on Monday's show, Wednesday's, Thursday's show. Fuck. Uh, so stay tuned for that, I suppose. Uh, Corbin, okay. any last thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, no. No.
All right. Well, if you would like to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juicing Pod. If you'd like to send uh, Corwin any Twitters, you can do so at Corwin Heller. And if you'd like to send me any Twitters, you can do so at Josh B. D. Tracy. If you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at juicingthenumbers at gmail.com. And until uh, Thursday, y'all have a good one. Thursday.